0: Got nothing. There it is.
1: Bring your tire, bring your shame, bring your guilt, bring your pain.
0: Don't you know it's not your name? You
1: will always be much more to me and every day i wrestle with the voices that keep telling me i'm not right
2: that's all right
1: cause i hear a voice and he calls me redeemed when others say i'll never be enough and greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world who oh, in the world your doubts, bring your fears, bring your hurt, bring your tears, there'll be no condemnation here, you are holy, righteous, and redeemed, and every time I fall, there'll be those who will call me a mistake, well that's okay, cause I hear a voice and he calls me when none say i'll never be enough then greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world well, we Will oh, there be days I lose a battle? Grace says that it doesn't matter because the cross has already won the war. Will oh, I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me and it makes me love him more and more. Will oh, there be days I lose a battle? Grace says that it doesn't matter because the cross has already won the war oh i am learning to run freely understanding just how he sees me and it makes me love him more and more oh i hear a voice and he calls me redeemed when others say i'll never be enough the greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world oh in the world Every day as I lose a battle, Grace says that it doesn't matter, cause the cross has already won the war. Oh, and I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me, and it makes me love
0: him more and
2: more.
0: (laughs) Alright, we have a baptism this morning, if you guys want to direct your attention over here.
3: Good morning. There we go. Had a little delay. Had to wake up. Hope you guys are awake. Glad to have you here worshiping with us this morning. It's so fun and uh, exciting and thrills my heart when we start a baptism, a service with a baptism this morning. So that's how we're going to get to begin. How exciting is that? Glad you're here to see that. Um, This is my little friend. Well, he's not so little anymore. I remember when you were born. His name is Eli Jordan. He's in second grade. We have proud mom and dad here, Jeremy and Ashley, big brother Easton, and little brother Chance, and so we are, and grandmas, grandpas, aunts, and uncles, we're so glad that y'all are here to celebrate this day with us. Um, Mama, why don't you come on up, and we always like to hear the salvation story of how someone came to know the Lord, and so Ashley's going to get to share with us about his story.
4: Well,
5: Eli came to me, it's been over a year ago it all kind of runs together from when covid started to um these last couple of years but he um he started asking to be baptized and i said well well we we do that when we ask the lord to come into our heart And he's like i already did that (laughs) and he was my second child to do me that way Uh, so i know that this was the holy spirit because this was nothing that i led he um told me that he was in his room and he was playing and just stopped playing and and said a prayer and asked the Lord to come into his heart. So um, it's the Holy Spirit and God is using this church. I remember when we started, I had one squishy little baby and now they're both big and and know Jesus and we get to spend forever together. So I'm so proud of that. And Eli, um, he didn't really wanna talk to anybody about it. So I just kind of waited. And then um, he has seen since some of his friends get baptized, and he'll kind of mention it, and then it'll go away. And we were reading Scripture one night, and it was about Jesus and his baptism. And Eli, you know he's like, "Why didn't I why haven't I done that?" And so we talked a little bit more about it, and he was seemed more ready. And then that Wednesday, I walked around the corner and they held up the thing that Miss Alicia does to show the bridge from what Jesus where we are and what he does. And I said, I guess he talked to her. And so now it's his time.
6: So I loved your testimony, but you said one thing wrong. It had nothing to do with me. It has a lot to do with discipling your kid and reading that. I'm, I'm, we're so proud of you. This is your second kid I got to baptize. And the first one I didn't keep under the water, and I'm not keeping him under the water. I asked Jordan if he wanted me need to. need
5: some extra. You can, you can keep me under the water. <laughs>
6: I didn't think you wanted to talk today. Do you have something you want to share with everybody about Jesus or anything? No. Yeah. No? Well, we're very, you can step down now. We're very proud of you. And uh, I haven't baptized somebody in a couple of years, so this is such a privilege for me. And why don't you grab your nose? Eli, having heard of your testimony of faith and knowing that you love Jesus, it is my privilege today to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
3: Our sweet Aunt Mary, or Mimi, is going to pray for Eli.
4: Father, thank you so much for leading Eli to you. I just pray, Lord, that you just continue to draw him close to you. And I pray for Jeremy and Ashley, God, just give them the wisdom and guidance to lead him and Easton and the new baby, God just pray that, Lord, you would use our whole church to minister to him and to minister to others. We thank you and we love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Such a good reminder, right? So cool watching these kids get baptized. Um, if you're in the room, if you want to stand up, you can stand and worship with us. Uh, if not, you don't have to. Um, I got a little bit of flack last week for not doing this song. Somewhere over here in this region. Apparently, we have to do this on uh, Easter every year. So here we go.
1: Shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. For oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power when my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, rise up out of the ground, there ain't no grave, gonna hold my body down, oh fear is a liar, with a smooth and velvet tongue, fear is a tyrant, he's always telling me to run, oh love is a resurrection and love is a trumpet sound love is my weapon i'm gonna take my giants down there ain't no grain i'm gonna hold my body down There ain't no grave. I'm gonna hold my body down. Oh, when I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise up out of the ground. There ain't no grave. There was a battle, a war between death and life, and there on the tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. And He went on down the hill, and He took back every key, and He rose up as a lion, and He set all captives free. And he's alive, oh, and He's alive. For oh, he's alive, hallelujah. Alive, praise and glory to the land. For oh, he's alive, for oh, he's alive, hallelujah, alive forever. The mountains shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name, the angels will bow. The earth will rejoice. Your people cry out. Oh, Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name. Filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh, Lord. And your name. The morning breaks in glory. At your name, creation sings your story. At your name, the angels will bow, the earth will rejoice, your people cry out. We shout your name, shout your name Filling up the skies with endless praise Endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh We love to shout your name, oh Lord no one like our God There is no one like our God We will praise you, praise you There is no one like our God we will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise You, praise You. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise You, praise You. Jesus, You are God. We will sing. Shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh. We love to shout your name, Lord of all the earth. We shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh.
2: standing would you please stand and uh, listen as we read the scriptures well say them along with us that would be good all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins oh
1: lord my god when i in awesome wonder consider all the world's hands have I see the stars And I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout The universe displayed Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, oh how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to Thee, great thou art oh how great thou art and when i think that god his son not sparing sent him to Can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Amen. and then Sing my soul, my Savior, God, to Thee. Oh, how great Thou art. Oh, how great Thou art. Oh how great Thou art Oh how great Thou art When Christ shall come With shout of acclamation And take behold What joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration. And then proclaim, my God, how great Thou art. Oh how great Thou art! Oh how great Thou art! And then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. Oh how great Thou! Oh yeah Surrender all To Him I freely give I will ever love And trust Him in His presence daily live oh, and I surrender Blessed Savior, I surrender and all to Jesus. I surrender humbly at His feet. I bow. Worldly pleasures all and take me Jesus take me now oh, and I surrender
7: all
1: oh I surrender all. and all to thee
7: my blessing Savior,
1: I surrender. All. Oh, and I surrender. All. Oh, I surrender. All. And all to thee, my blessed Savior. Take hey. I give it all. I give it all to you. Do what you want to do. Here at your feet I bow. Come take me now. I give it all to you. Do what you want to do. Here at your feet I bow. Come take me now.
0: Amen. Lord God, that's our prayer. Uh, it's kind of a scary prayer. To be honest, it's a scary prayer to, to, to pray, God, but that's our heart, Lord. We love you. We know you love us. It's hard sometimes to trust you. It's, some, it's hard sometimes just to lay everything at your feet and say, God, here I am. Here I am. Take me now. Do what you want to do. But God, I ask that that would be our, that would be our heart. God, I ask that you would transform us from the inside out, Lord, so that it's not a scary prayer. God, that it's our joy, it's our hope, it's everything that we have to just lay at your feet and say, God, use us. God, take this life and do what you want to do. God, we ask that you'd open up our hearts and our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
7: All right, now can you hear me? Okay, this is much better. Man, I I don't know. I can't do very well on this stage, evidently. I have some kind of. All right, uh, welcome to all of you who are who are visitors with us. Good to have you today. Um, Paula and I, or as many of you may know, we have a team in July that'll be going to Guatemala on a mission trip, and so Paula and I are part of that team. If you are. We have a total of 13 people. If you're on the Guatemala trip going in July, would you please stand up, any of you who are going? Josiah, that's you. Yep, that's you. Stand up. So we have a total of 13. Okay, you can clap. That's good, yeah. So, you can sit down now. So, we have a total of 13 people who are going. So, many of them aren't here today. But we don't think about it in these terms. But even though we have 13 people making the trip, this trip doesn't happen if it's not for the support of the congregation here. Each of you pay, play a very, very, very important role in that uh, because uh, these trips aren't cheap. So, there's a lot of fundraising that has to happen. And uh, starting next week, we will have a table out in the front lobby uh, where we will be uh, dealing with some of the fundraising, handing out some flyers, helping educate, and we will be collecting some things. We need some help in part of our fundraising, and Paula's going to be here to talk about a fundraiser we have coming up.
4: Well, first of all, Kip was going to do this by himself, but he was afraid he'd forget his lines, so he asked me to come <laughs> help him. I asked for permission before I said that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just want to say something real quick. Um, those who know me know that going on a mission trip is a big, uh, it's a big leap for me. Uh, I do have to put a lot of trust. So I was listening to the words that I've heard 100 times. I, I give it all to you, do what you want to do. And if you notice these lights up here, oh my goodness, they're kind of waving in the air, right? And sometimes I feel like that right now where I am uh, with God. I feel like I'm just waving in the wind and just, God, whatever you want to do with me. And that's what this mission trip is about for me personally. I'm excited that I get to join my husband and that my youngest son gets to go as well. And I've been the one in the past who supported mission trips. So I'm excited to get to go and to just put all my trust in God and see how that, how that work, works out. Fundraising is one of the things, believe it or not, I love to do. (laughs) But second to that is I love to have a party. So we're going to fundraise and we're going to have a little bit of a party as well. On June the 11th, we are going to have what we're calling Guate Game Night. But first, before we play games, we're going to have some of our youth who have been in the youth band here at uh, Carpenter's Way. They're going to give us a little reunion concert, so we are extremely excited about that. One of them happens to be Hayden Havard, but anyway, that may be why I'm really, really happy about it, but we also have the Bonin kids who are going to join us too, and we have a couple of other um, youth that we're going to ask as well, so we are very excited about that. Then we're going to have a meal that uh, Maria is going to uh, prepare for us. It kind of is a little nod to the Guatemala uh, trip, and it's a uh, burrito, breakfast burrito kind of, I'm not real sure, but she promises it's going to be great. So we're going to have that. And then we're going to play two of our favorite games. Mine happens to be Bunko, his happens to be 42. So you can come for a concert, eat a little uh, food, and then you can play Bunko or 42. So we're going to have two different tournaments. That's our fundraiser, and that's June the 11th, and we would love for you to join us.
7: Thank you.
6: has served the Lord uh, for many, many years and uh, in fundraising, and that is like not my favorite thing to do, and she's very good at it. So let me, let me fill in the gap with you a little bit. There are a couple things happening that we don't really talk a lot about in church, but you know it. A uh, couple things. With the, um, everything's getting more expensive, and that's especially true of, of flights, and the flights we have two mission trips going on this summer. One is to Brazil and and one is to Guatemala. And the flights are I want to say almost twice as much as they've been in the past. Uh, is that close to right for Brazil, Kevin? It's it's a lot though. And the, the trip to Brazil is usually three thousand bucks. We scholarship Carpenter's Ways members above twenty five hundred dollars. Your giving does that. And then Usually Brazil or our Guatemala trip doesn't even come close, but it looks like it's going to be with the price of plane tickets, it's going to be over that this year. So a couple of things I want to say. The good news is that your giving is so good, we are able to scholarship everybody that goes above 2500 bucks. so it maxes out at that, because the trips will probably be significantly more than that this year. But the second of all, I just want to let you know, family, if you're able, when you get those support letters from these folks that are going, really pray about this year's Participating with them because the cost is is much more than usual because of the cost of flights. The trip itself is the same, but the flights are crazy, and we can't control that. We even buy early plane tickets, and it still bites us. So just to just to kind of give you some insight as to why uh, we're doing uh, why why we're going to be talking about this more or whatnot. If you're not able, feel no pressure to. That's not what we want you to do. Uh, you're going to give just to your normal giving, but if you're able to help a little bit more for some of these folks, uh, that would be wonderful too. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is kind of silly, but it's just, it's just because we want to spend our money on the right stuff. You're going to notice as you go around for your coffee, because that's a cult thing here at Carpenter's Way, that, that there's a little sign about the Styrofoam cups. And that is because, look, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty close. We used to buy a box of Styrofoam cups for between $30 and $40. They're over 100 now for the big ones. So I'm just saying this to you. There's going to be Styrofoam cups out there because we have visitors and whatnot. But if you want more than the small ones, would you just bring a cup from home? And then you can have as much coffee as you want, not an IV. Don't fill in an IV. But just bring a cup from home. And I got, I'm bringing cups from home. That'll just help keep the cost down. If you choose not to, We're still going to buy them, okay? But I'm just, we're family. I know it feels like, you know, it's a program. It's not a program. It's a family. And we just, man, I hate to spend, we as a staff hate to spend money on styrofoam cups that we can spend on other things like dinners out for the staff and (laughs) planes and stuff like that. So is this a bad time to mention that I'm buying my own Learjet? So, I'm just kidding. That's all. So Paula and Kip, you know what they didn't tell you this morning? What's really funny is... Uh, Kip has been on multiple mission trips globally, right? Have you been to Brazil too? But you've been to India a couple times, and and with his daughter, he went to Thailand. And Paula, you haven't been out of the states on a mission trip yet, right? What's funny is they're leading this trip. <laughs> so good, Paula. Let's pray for Paula right now. <laughs> No, it's great. This could going to be a wonderful time. So I do, I do want to pray, and then I want to jump into this morning's message. And Lord, we love you, and we want to learn from you. And as we, we do an overview of 1 Peter this morning, as we prepare to go into 2 Peter next week, would you just speak to us in a very special way today, in a very personal way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, I had told you two weeks ago, the week before uh, Easter, That I was wrapping up the verse by verse study of 1 Peter. And I did do that, but I I did want to, I should have mentioned that we were going to do one overview at the end, and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you a general overview of what's going on and the exhortations that Peter gives us in this letter. Uh, If you remember, when we started Peter, we found ourselves uh, looking in as Peter writes to a group of very unnerved believers. Man, I think there's a lot of similarities between where they were and where we are. You know, the Roman culture always allowed uh, for different divergent thoughts in philosophy as well as religion, but they were beginning to find even, or Christianity, biblical Christianity, Jesus Christ following, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. They began to find that unnerving. They began to be less tolerant. And these Christians in this era, throughout the Roman Empire, were beginning to experience arrest, were beginning to experience persecutions. Much like, and much like Mary and Joseph, when the baby is born, when little Jesus comes into their life and it's, it's there by the angels, he's there by shepherds saying that the angels came and talked to us by Simeon and, and Anna, hearing these amazing prophecies, but about two years later they're running for their lives to Egypt. I mean, think about the roller coaster of their lives. It must have been wonderful. If you read what's called Mary's song, uh, she celebrates the fact that God looked upon her, a poor girl, to make her the mother of, of God's Savior. And yet, within two years, she finds out this is this is going to be a difficult road to hoe. And the, and the believers here um, had experienced the amazing grace of God. They had experienced salvation. They had experienced freedom in Christ. But now, all of a sudden, the world is beginning to come against them. And we talked about the fact that even their, their Jewish brothers and sisters who knew Christ first were pushing them, pushing them away. And now we have people in Rome are pushing them away and beginning to persecute them. And they, they must have written to Peter or, or send a messenger to tell him, we feel like we don't have a homeland. And so Peter writes this letter to say, unfortunately, you're right. You're right. You are exiles living here. Uh, You came to Christ, and you experienced His grace, and you were beginning to see, uh, you saw God adopt you into His family. And this is a familiar thing. People, things haven't changed but technology. Because a lot of us feel this now. We come to Christ, and we have a pretty good life, and then all of a sudden it seems like the world is just beating down the value system, the depravity. And it's like, what do I do? I don't want to be at war with people who need Jesus. On the other hand, am I supposed to say something? And if I say something, is it going to put me or my family in harm's way? So there's so many similar things going on. Um, And Jesus felt that. You remember at the crucifixion and then a couple days before, Jesus on two different occasions actually says, Father, take this cup of suffering from me, but not my will, yours be done. I think that we don't value, especially in the evangelical church, the tension that exists within the reality of walking with God. The tension that exists in some of our doctrine, that the Scripture says, whosoever will may come, and yet says, chosen before the foundation of the world. That's tension. How is it free will and sovereignty? The tension that comes with once saved, always saved, and yet yet if you're not living the fruit of the Spirit, you're not His child. Or how about the fact that the most uh, to, that to experience life abundantly, as Jesus said, you get to know the Creator and you allow Him to redeem you, but you also lose your life. You're, you pick up your cross and follow Him. Tensions. And I, I think we've done a disservice to the church to ignore those tensions. And Peter writes to those tensions in this, lever, this letter. This ministry that we are called into uh, in this life I want to show you a video it's a different one from the bible project okay but as we get started i want you to watch and it's called uh it's called royal priesthood but that tension comes the suffering comes when we engage the reason we're here when we engage our tasks and so one more time again you haven't seen this one before unless you've watched it online i've shown you another one a couple times but i want you to watch this and then we'll jump off and do an overview of, Peter, of peter's letter go ahead
8: the bible. ...would be an even better priest who will defeat evil and intervene on their behalf to restore the blessings of Eden.
9: This descendant would be a royal priest, like Melchizedek, that Abraham met in Jerusalem. And also like Moses and the priestly figure he saw on Mount Sinai. This descendant will also be like David and the priest-king that David called my Lord in Psalm 110. And all of these figures lead us to Jesus the ultimate royal priest who suffered and died for a failed humanity so that they could be restored to their original calling
8: as royal priests. About a month after the resurrection of Jesus, his disciples see him ascend into the skies.
9: Yeah, this was the fulfillment of Israel's hopes and of the story of Jesus. He was exalted into the heavenly temple of God's presence and installed there as the cosmic royal priest.
8: Now, Jesus also told his followers to wait for God's presence to come and guide them into the future.
9: And so, during Pentecost, a festival in Jerusalem, God's Spirit comes down on them like they are each mini-temples who are filled with God's presence.
8: Many temples
9: Yeah, just like God took up residence in the tabernacle and later the temple, now God dwells among the followers of Jesus and their bodies are the temple. The apostle Peter, who was there that day, later put it this way. You all are living stones built up as a spiritual house. You all are a royal priesthood.
8: So they are altogether God's
9: temple. And they're also the priests, reclaiming that lost calling that God gave humanity to represent him and to rule the world on his behalf. The Spirit is
8: restoring the life and blessing of Eden to the people of Jesus. But these people aren't priests. They are merchants and fishermen, soldiers and slaves, tax collectors and the poor. They work in the world and not in temples.
9: And yet, they talked and behaved as if they were priests. They believed Jesus was the cosmic royal priest, ruling all of heaven and earth as his temple, and they saw themselves as an extension of Jesus here on earth, that is, the body of the Messiah. That is a beautiful
8: image, but what does it actually look like?
9: Well, if you went to the temple in Jerusalem, you would hear the priestly choirs singing poetry that honored God and that told
8: the story of his love. Music was a bridge between heaven and earth. Also, the followers of Jesus started writing and singing new songs about Jesus as part of their priestly calling.
9: Right. Priests also surrendered everything over to God through their sacrifices. And so, followers of Jesus started giving themselves their time and their money and energy to serve those in need. And they said, these are the
8: sacrifices that bring pleasure to God. Priests also intercede on behalf of others through blessings and prayers, advocating for the needs of everyone. Yeah, this is why
9: the apostle Paul called on the Christians living in Rome to all together offer their bodies as one single living sacrifice. A living
8: sacrifice.
9: Yeah, Jesus offered his life in the ultimate act of love. And So, they too were to surrender themselves to each other and to those who needed their help. This is the royal priesthood, Jesus style.
8: When people imitate Jesus, the royal priest, they become a new humanity living in a way that reunites heaven and earth. Exactly. And Now you can see how the whole
9: Bible is one unified story about a royal priestly humanity that
8: lost its way. But then how God promised to raise up a priest who would give his life restore us.
9: And then how the stories of Abraham and Moses and David all point
8: forward to a promised priest-king. And how this all led to Jesus, our great high priest who suffered on our behalf to restore us to our calling. And so this is
9: why on the final pages of the Bible there's a vision of a renewed and reunited heaven and earth with humans serving and ruling as God's royal priests forever.
6: All right, so when we started uh, First Peter, I shared with you Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. You're very familiar with this, but there's a line in the middle of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 that says, let God change the way you behave by changing the way you think. And, and I hope that through our time in First Peter, you have begun to realize something as I, it's, it's just really sunk in in this series, that, that the reason that Jesus was hated is the same reason will be hated. You remember that the, that the temple was a location under the Old Testament law. But Jesus, when he came, said, I'm going to destroy that temple, and I'll rebuild it three days later. He's saying, I'm the temple. I'm the place you come to be restored to the Trinity. I am the one you need. But when he ascended into heaven, it wasn't like the royal priesthood left. It wasn't like the temples left. Forty-some days later, as was portrayed in there on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that once had inhabited the Holy of Holies in that tabernacle and then in the temple and then empowered Jesus to do work now empowers us. So the fact is that's why they killed Jesus. They didn't kill Jesus because he was Jewish. They didn't kill Jesus because of, uh, they didn't like how he looked or how he smelled. They killed Jesus because he didn't play into their manual. You see, the Jewish religious people, but especially the Jewish people, they want you to speak evangelon, the gospel. Jesus wants us to be evangelon, the gospel. We're to be it. The problem is, when you be evangelon, and the word gospel isn't like the Romans Road. it's the good news that salvation is through faith in Christ alone, and God will transform you from the inside out through His power, that you are free from sin and shame and guilt as your sin's punishment was put on Jesus. As we live it out, we're not supposed to be shouting in a lost world, see how reprobate you are. We're supposed to be living freedom in Christ and joy, not indulging in the flesh. And the problem is the world, as we saw in 1 Corinthians, has two responses to that. You are the smell of death to those who are dying and you are the aroma of life to those who are living. And just like they hated Jesus for that same reason, they're going to hate us. And I think for a long time, and even to this day in the church, we keep thinking that if we're super cool saints, if we're super sweet, that the world will love us a little bit more. If we're not as offensive. And the truth is, we shouldn't be offensive for offensive sake. But one of the things in, in Peter that, that we have seen clearly is that they're just going to hate you, even if you do right, just because of who you are and what you are. Living, breathing, roaming temples of God's presence on the earth. He prayed to his father. And he said to him, as you sent me on, in John 17, as he's about to leave them, as you sent me, Father, I now send them. And that's why you're here in East Texas. You're here in East Texas not just because you were born here or because your job brought you here. You were born here because the divine one chose your parents to put you, put you here Uh, through birth, so that you could be missionaries here. You are here by occupation, not because Temple Inland or anyone else moved here and this is where you retired. You are here because this is where God, the ruler of your life, has moved you. And and the sooner we start to understand that what, what Proverbs says, that we set our path, but God sets our steps, I think the more we'll be prepared for what is coming before the Lord returns. The more we'll be hopeful the more we'll understand, well, this is how they treated Jesus. And I think one of the things we've got to do is keep each other accountable because it doesn't count if you're being persecuted for being a jerk. Peter says that. But we will understand that our task in this life as exiles and aliens and strangers is going to be personally costly. In this letter we are finishing looking at, we're viewing this morning, God, through Peter, wanted his readers and us to know that this is not your home anymore. It really, 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 really isn't your home. In fact, Colossians chapter 3, the first five or six verses, uh, Paul is begging with us, uh, don't live focused on this life because your real life is hidden with God in Christ in the heavenlies. That's our real life, not now. That just as we have experienced his grace, that we're going to also experience difficulty in this life in the same way that he did and we will share in his sufferings. In John chapter 17, well, I'll get there in a second. There's a weird verse in Psalm 116, and I'm, I'm really kind of sharing an overview, my thoughts on this book this morning, so bear with me. But there's a really weird verse in Psalm 116:15 15 that I talk about at just about every funeral of a believer. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful saints. That is such a weird verse, because it's like, well, why would that be precious to the Lord? Why would that be special, precious, special? I mean, he wants to see us die? Well, the answer is found in in, uh, John 17, 24. As Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, he prays for the disciples. He prays for those that the disciples will disciple us. He prays for our ministry. He prays that as God sent him into the world, he is now sending us into the world. And then he finishes it with these words. Father, I want those whom you have given me to be where I am. Then they will see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. This is such a weird verse too, but they start making sense when you put them together. The reason that it is precious when you and I actually die to the Lord is that we no longer live uh, looking at God through a veiled glass or, or a fogged glass, as Scripture says. We get to see Him face to face, and He gets to show us around heaven. God is our champion, it says in Hebrews. He's our cheerleader. And right now he's constantly going, keep going, hang in there, it's worth it. But it's so hard, Lord, I know. I went through the hard stuff too. You know, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus did not want to endure the suffering and the shame of the cross, but he did it knowing that what would come later would make it worth it. And he's cheering us on the same way. And the day will come. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Well, it's a little bit like. It's a little bit like when when um, when our kids come home from college and we want to just be with them. It's one thing to FaceTime. It's one thing to talk on the phone. It's another thing to have them in the room. And, and what God is saying is, when they come home, when they get to see me in my glory, when they get to see what I'm building for them, when they get to see the new Jerusalem or the new Garden of Eden and all that I'm creating, they're going to see what they were faithful about. That is what we look forward to. And that is what is said throughout all of 1 Peter. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 13 says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to the world. Why should we consider it good or joyful when we endure sufferings with Christ? It, because one day we will share in His glory. You see, right now we are exiles, little pieces of the hot spot of God's presence, little temples, priests for a rejected life faith. Our faith is being rejected. They don't want God. Not all of them, but most of them. And if you have any doubt about that, well, we we watched a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night. How could the archaeologists, forgive me if you weren't there, just for those of you who were there, how could the archaeologists see all of the evidence and reject the Old Testament story? Faith. They don't want to see it. How can people look at the world around them? How can a scientist or a doctor look at the very thing, the atom that holds us together, and not see a creative purpose in that? Because they don't want to. You you have to understand that they're not rejecting you, they are rejecting God. And still, our purpose is not to get all of them saved. Our purpose is to be temples and hotspots of God's presence, even among the rejected, even among those who don't want God. He has placed us here to be witnesses to the truth, not to be forcing people to be saved. And I think, and I can take personal, uh, I don't know what the word is. I, I personally have experienced as an EE trainer, for those of you who know what that is, Evangelism Explosion, That we were more passionate to get people to pray a prayer than we were to get to know them and to pour into their lives the message of a relationship with God. I, I know it starts with that, and it depended on, but our training was fully about how to reach somebody for Christ. It was not how to disciple them into a mature temple of God. And when you start studying this, you begin to realize that's a whole lot more of this whole thing than even going to heaven. This was never about not going to hell. This was about having a relationship with the Trinity through Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, and being inhabited by His Holy Spirit and sealed into His family so that we could have a relationship with Him so we could be about the family business here on earth, royal priests, and then we could go home forever and live in a new Eden. You ever? I know it's really not the nature of our culture, but if you were to go back and just read the Garden of Eden, it's kind of like sometimes you go, you know, it'd be nice to just run around naked and, name the animals, you know? I know most of us at our age are like, do not run around naked. (laughs) The, The fact is, the fact is though, the Garden of Eden, all the things that we don't like wasn't there. You didn't have weeds, for instance. And boy, do we have weeds in East Texas. And I don't care how many pictures of poison oak I get, they all look like poison oak to me. Or none of them do. And then those are the ones that are poison oak. Or then you have sumac. And then, the, the fact is, there's, there's so much weirdness in this world, and what Mark's heart longs for is heaven, and I'm beginning to realize that. So I want social justice, but not an imbalanced social justice. So somebody's going to have to be the judge of that. That's God. I don't ever want to think about money again. That's heaven. I don't want to have to think about sickness again or burying somebody. That's not going to happen here. And what I find frustrating myself is that I keep wanting, I keep getting frustrated with things that will never change here instead of putting my hope in where it won't be like that. Does that make sense? And and I think Peter is addressing that. And, And I just... Love this. Let me read it again. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to the world. Then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-6. through I've already alluded to this this morning. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, and because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that will be kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day to all, for all to see. So be truly glad. Why? Because there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I, I don't want to be a downer. I wish I wish that the health and wealth gospel were true and it will be but just not on this side of eternity. I got let me be clear about the health and wealth doctrine you're hearing today. It's a lie. Every verse they use is taken out of context. Every one. Any promises that will be in eternity future are made for eternity future because this is very clear. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials. For a little while. This is such a great text. Let me jump through three of these, make three points from this real quick, and then I want to get to the big point I want to end with. Respect everyone, uh, 1 Peter 2.17. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the King. Through our time in this, we have looked at this passage a lot. I spent a ton of time talking with you about respecting the king, even evil kings. We've talked about respecting others from our spouses, and Peter directs even kings, evil ones, and slave owners if you have a master. We certainly have talked about fearing God. But it's that other instruction I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning, which Peter mentions several times, that I believe... Reflects one of the most important gifts or tools that God has given to help us endure and how to have a life of joy, even in the midst of this trialed life. I think that, and some of you are watching online and uh, in this post COVID season, you need to be fully aware of this. Satan is using that to keep you from getting this. God has given us gifts to take care of each other, to have joy in this. Look with me for a moment at at the last three verses of the letter of Peter. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you to assume, uh, to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with the kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Wow. So I guess this letter really isn't from Peter. There's a lot of people involved in the writing of this letter. It's Silas, the first church of Babylon, and John Mark. John Mark is the same one that writes the New Testament letter. Uh, John Mark, uh, we believe, was not an eyewitness to most of the gospel story, but we believe that he and Peter spent so much time together that he told Peter the highlights of. The walk with Jesus until the end. We believe that John Mark was in the upper room watching, that it was his family home when they had the Last Supper. We believe that the disciples in Jerusalem were meeting in John Mark's upper room, the 120 of them after the ascension. Those are not all in Scripture, but history tells us those things. But please understand that John Mark was a little boy when a lot of this stuff was happening in Jesus' life. Mark is my favorite gospel. And the reason is, is because Mark is the gospel that was the result of, a, an, of an apostle, probably Peter, telling another person the highlights of their life with Christ. And if, uh, you know, we always play this game, you know, if you could have one person in history or one person from the Bible to sit with and, and hear, and it wasn't Jesus, who would you pick? And people like, people like Paul and people like Peter, I want Mark, because Mark is going to summarize what Peter would tell. I don't think Peter could summarize this if life depended on it, but I, it's just a summary and here we, have, here we have John Mark participating in this. We have the whole church of Babylon. And um, man, the body of Christ is not an individual. The leadership of the church is not a pastor. The church is made up of people that are red and yellow and black and white and brown and green and blue and purple, or well, at least their hair is. The church is made up of people from all, every nation and every tribe who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. It is amazing to me, as, uh, and I, I know that some of you, when I say that I'm 55, I found out this week that I'm 55, I turned 56 this year, I thought I was 56 last week, but that's part of being 55, you don't know your own age, but I, um, I, as I get older, and I know to some of you that's not old, but as I get older, I kind of review my life, and I kind of review how I saw things, things changed through the years, and you know, when you're a kid, and if you're a teenager, you just need to listen to me here, and trust me on this, because this is true. What we seek as a teenager is independence, don't we? Mom, close my door. Could you imagine going into your kid's room and taking the door off? The, I mean, just leaving the door off, taking it off, taking it, you know, unscrewing it and leaving it open? Your kids would flip. Why? Because I need privacy. Because to a young, immature mind, independence is maturity. That's the ultimate thing. I get to make decisions for myself. But I got to tell you something. At 55, I like interdependence. I like not leaning on myself. I love the fact that Kip was going to make the announcement and he, did, he realized that his wife would do better at it. Why? She's planning it. I love the fact that when I got sick Wednesday night, Julie could teach for me and Kip was assisting. I love that. I love the fact that there are people in this church who do certain ministries better. We have a guy in our church who's a prophecy hawk and he, he knows the Hebrew, he knows Greek, he's And this week, I had somebody ask me this last week about some prophecy stuff. I am connecting them for lunch next Thursday. Now, I want you to know I know everything, but I don't want you to know that I know everything. I mean, the truth is there are things that I understand about the Scriptures, and there are things that I don't even, buckle up, care about. I just don't care about them. I mean, I I know you care about them. I'm glad you care about them. Kevin Hudson and I have this talk all the time. Kevin is a scientist. I know that many of you who've never had a sickness don't know that about doctors, but doctors are, by their nature, scientists. That's what they do. They take pieces of science. That's why when you go to the doctor and you don't feel good, and you say, this is what I'm feeling like, the doctors will begin going through symptoms and percentages, and at the end of your appointment, they will say, what you probably have is an amoeba in your left big toe because that's going around. But the truth is, that doctor, when you leave, doesn't know for sure that you have an amoeba. They're taking percentages and science. And eventually, if they can't figure out what's going on, and I know this frustrates you, but a doctor at some point a lot of times will say, well, maybe this is psychosomatic. Have you thought about talking to a counselor? Why? Because they don't know what's going on. It's percentages. It's science. And Kevin's brain... And I'm just using him as an example. There are others in this room like that. This gentleman I was talking about, Gary Ray, he's the same way. They're scientific. They want to know, they want to cross the T's and dot the I's, and they want to know, and they love archaeology and and all that. And and while I enjoy it, I don't love it. But I love learning from them. I absolutely love learning from them. And I love teaching you context. I love this message this morning because I I get to share with you what God is teaching me. And one of the things that has happened in this time of 1 Peter together, and every time I teach a book, I learn something new, and it's the best book I've ever studied. But I have been reminded, uh, and it's changed my frustration with the world right now. It really has. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped listening to Glenn Beck. Because Glenn Beck doesn't understand that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the world is going to stand against that because they don't love God. They don't want God. They don't want accountability. And while Glenn Beck tries to save America, God sent me to offer salvation to souls, including the people that are destroying America. And therefore, I have to be careful, first and foremost, to understand that I am a messenger of reconciliation between people and God. I am not a messenger of conservative politics, self-righteousness, anti-CRT, That is uh, uh, whatever, I am not any of those things. I got a letter this week Telling me all these churches that are teaching CRT now and they're have left the gospel. I'm like, going, Why is a church even talking about CRT? We're supposed to talk about Jesus because the truth is everybody comes to the table with a preconceived idea. If you grew up in an African American family, you come to Jesus with that history, you come to Jesus as a white person. You come to Jesus as a Mexican. You come to Jesus as an Indian. And that stuff a Native American or an Indian. You you come to Jesus with that history. And that history doesn't disappear when you come to Jesus. But as you stare at Jesus, those things become less important. Unless they don't. Unless we decide that's part of our message. And it's not part of our message. And that's why we need community. We need community to remind each other that God is good. Even if life is not. That you are not going to live your best life now. That's a lie from hell. And if you seek your best life now, you will miss Jesus. Because you are seeking yourself. We have a generation of young people who are being fed the idea that you should pursue happiness for yourself and God is going, no, you should pick up your cross and follow me. You should surrender all. You should give it all to him. Paula was on point when she gets up here and goes, well, that's a hard song to sing. If you're thinking about the words, it's a hard song to sing. I love it. I love the bridge that, I mean, there are some songs that have been improved through the years. I mean, I love the song, I Surrender All. But man, Chad, you improved that. Uh, Amazing Grace, you know, um, The Chains Fall Off. I think, uh, who wrote that? Chris Tomlin? He improved that song. But I, I just got to tell you something. It's improved when we realize that Jesus Christ is the answer to every one of our questions. Every one. Every. Everyone. America's falling. Are you okay with that? The world is falling. I'm not okay with it. What do you want me to do about it? I, I mean, I. Ah, oh, Chicken Little, Chicken Little. How about it's not Chicken Little. God's still on the throne. It actually says, "Why we endure for a little while." But even the church, we come together and we come in the church, and pastors are freaking out. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. What? There was a. a, a, a it doesn't matter where and when, but but when 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 gay marriage became the law of the land, and I and I told you about this article when gay marriage became the law of the land in the United States of America. There was a pastor somewhere in this country that said, now God's judgment is going to come down on us. I mean, you, you heard it. You saw it. It was all over the place. Every preacher was saying it. And I remember sitting there listening to a preacher going, so he didn't care so much about slavery or abortion? It's, it's, this is it. It's, it's a man marrying a man. That's it. That's the heart. That is it. Of all the things that have ever happened, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. And I'm kind of going, oh my gosh, we have lost our collective heads. And we're not talking about Jesus. Because this stuff was going on when Jesus was alive. We have forgotten that he is the answer. Not conservative politics, not liberal politics, not Jesus is the answer. That's why we send people to Guatemala. Well, maybe we should just send the money, it'll be cheaper. Yeah, but they won't come back changed if they don't go. You see, here's the secret about our mission trips. We need help as much as they do. And when, you go, when they go to another nation, they share with us. Their life has changed. Wait till Paula shares with you how much she loved and hated that mission trip. And she may not hate it. She may love everything about it. But usually on a mission trip, there's parts that are difficult, like the flight. What is it, a 14-hour flight to Guatemala? How long is it this year? It's a three-hour <laughs> flight? No, hold on. Don't be sarcastic. You see, I heard that they had to fly all over to get there. What's the flight to Brazil right now? It's how long? Is that 14 hours? No. Wait. No, Hold on. How long is your flight? Yeah, okay. No, you can fly there in three to four hours. But you can't fly there right now in the three or four hours. That's the thing. I had heard that the trip to Guatemala was going to take you half a day. Now, when I go to India, it takes me 25 hours and three airports and a bunch of nations. And everyone smells like curry. That's, I, I'm not saying that you can't get there. I was going to make the joke that you could bike ride there faster to Guatemala. But it's just, it's just a weird world. So why would we endure? And, and obviously it's not. But why would we, a five-hour flight, it used to be, I think is about right when I went. But why would we take a five-hour flight that is now like a 13 or 14-hour flight? Why would we do that? Because they need Jesus and so do we. And when you go, we got on a boat when I went. We got on a boat and we literally, you, we got there at 2 in the morning, and um, that reminded me of a funny story, Cecil. We get on hammocks. It's, a, it's an awesome trip. So having said that, you get on hammocks and you sleep. I mean, you sleep for 12 hours as you go up the river, right? Am I kind of telling the truth because I mix up stories a lot? But do you remember the first morning, Cecil? So Cecil and I were in cots, and the cots are, were jammed. The boat's jammed. And the cots just rock as you go up the river. And I remember opening my eyes at 6.30, and there's Cecil about this far from me. <laughs> And I remember saying, we must never speak of this again. (laughs) And we did. I just told the whole church. I'm just telling you, this isn't supposed to be easy. When did we think it was supposed to be easy? This is a mission we're on. Even with what's going on in our our public forum. This isn't supposed to be easy. Even church isn't supposed to be easy. And I, I think of this, and you know, Paul had problems with Silas. And here's Peter with him. I mean, this is such a mess thing that God created, but it's the only things that work. And I love this. And this is what I wanted to hit you with this morning to bring this to a personal level. We are the local, we are a local part of the universal church. This morning, there's a church going in in Ukraine. I don't know where it's at. We support a church there right now as they're trying to save people. I've been in contact with one of our missionaries that we support that is in. Uh, Russia and I'm trying to be vague. they're struggling. These, these are people, These are people who grew up Russian. They're as patriotic as you are. Just just flip it. That's how Russians feel about Russia. They love it. They're proud of it. They're proud that they are in a semi-democracy, and everything they hear on the news is confusing them. And they're struggling. Because they led people to Christ who now live in Ukraine. And in my conversations with one individual this last week, and I'm being super vague and actually lying about some things. Um, In one conversation, this individual said, none of the people that we know are dead yet. Why? While we sit here in America. I mean, it's just such a different world. You, you, You understand what I'm trying to say, right? They love those people, but they love their country. And we're not talking politics, but I don't know how they feel about what Putin is doing. I don't know what they feel about Ukraine. It doesn't even matter. What I do know is they love Jesus. And they're trying to do ministry. And they love people who love Jesus over in Ukraine. And the Ukrainians love Russians. And at some point, you've got to go, wow, that's not really my government. This is my government. That is my government. I'm going to do his work first and everything else second. And I have nailed that through this study. And I know some of you have become uncomfortable with it, but I'm just telling you, seek first God's kingdom. We must seek first God's kingdom. We. We've got to keep gathering. And, 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 and when Mark talks to these people in Russia or Ukraine, or Robert Grimes talks to them, or Jared Pig, our pastors of missions, when we talk to them, We may be talking to them, but we are talking to them. We are community. Here's the ironic thing. And I, I know I'll be done in 10 minutes. I know I'm going around, but this really is what struck me about this. There's all these people. I keep saying Peter wrote this, Peter wrote this. But you've got all these people that are really writing this. And I want you to know that whenever I hear something about Carpenter's Way, what a friendly church, you have developed, you have, I'm going, it's not me. They're just really serious, kind people. We as a church are only as loving as you are personally. So just so you know, if you're a racist, that corner of our church is a racist. Knock it off. If you are unkind to people, then that part of the church is. But for the most part, for the most part, you are very kind. But this church is only going to be as loving as you are personally. We are only going to be as outreaching as you are personally. We are only going to be as welcoming as you are personally. We are only going to be as faithful to God as you are personally. Oh, our pastor, he loves Jesus. Who cares what our pastor does? Do you love Jesus? Well, we're really proud of our pastor. We love our pastor. Thank you. I know you do. Send money. (laughs) But what matters outside of Sunday morning is do you love Jesus? Do you want to know him? Are you willing to put your political persuasion aside to reach people on the other political persuasion for the kingdom? Or at least witness to the truth. My hope is not in Donald Trump or whoever else on the the left. My hope is in Jesus. That is a hard thing to constrain in your flesh. I know. I am conservative. I I thought I was. I'm not sure I am anymore. I don't know where I stand. You're libertarian. No, I'm not. I'm theocracy. I really am. So you want God to rule America? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't want God to rule America. I want him to rule my heart and that part of America will be ruled by God. My home. I want my home to be a small embassy of the kingdom of God. So my value system at home has to be what we put on our TV, the music we play. The, the, the mojo of my home, is it a place of peace or war? That's why I want those things. I don't want those things so my marriage is great that's a benefit of it. I don't, want, I don't want to know Jesus so I go to heaven. That's a benefit of it. I, want to go, I get to go to heaven and be with Jesus that I've come to know. Do you understand? I don't want just a good marriage with Julie. I want a holy home so that our marriage is good. I want my kids. Anna's moving to Dallas in a couple months. She got an apartment yesterday. We are so excited to get rid of her. But it is, so, it is so awesome. She's going, but you know what? When she comes home, that house is going to be spotless and, and clean and safe. I want her to walk in and go, oh, I remember my childhood. That's what it's like. I want, I want you, in a desperate moment, to knock on our door between the hours of... <laughs> the I want you to walk in my home and just sit out on the couch and go, wow, this is a relaxing place. That's what we want. I want you to come to church on Sundays, and I want you to go, man, I'll tell you what. The walls may not be drywalled very well, but we love Jesus there. <laughs> Total joke. Total joke. I'm just saying, our pastor's clothes might be wrinkled. But Jesus is here. I want us to, I want the Sunday where we are not where we need to be with God to be the worst Sunday in this church's story. Because I don't know that I could say that. I look at services all around and i and I've been watching a lot of stuff lately, and I, I need to get off it because that's what's motivating me this morning and moving me. I need to stop watching all this stuff, these pastors that are falling and stuff, and I'm going, wow, how long have they been doing this without the Holy Spirit's control? Wow. It must be possible to do church without Jesus now. I don't want that for us. I want us to fail. I want, dear God, may we fail if we don't keep you in the center. Amen? Yeah, just remember you prayed that. I mean, it's scary, isn't it? I mean, it's a little scary because we think highly of ourselves. But really, what we should think highly of is each other, not ourselves. I should think highly of Pete Smart because he's a temple of the Holy Spirit and I need him in my life. I should think highly of Mark Dubose because he loves God and Connie and they pour into people's lives. And you know, I don't need them a lot, but once in a while I need to call for steady. I shouldn't think highly of myself. Sometimes I don't really have Jesus in my eyesight. You know, I I don't mean he leaves. He's just not... My impetus is not, I don't feel him. I'm not, I, I don't know how to say this. I'm talking too personally this morning. And so I, I need to get together with Kevin Hudson to remind everything's okay. By the way, we have a doctor's appointment Wednesday, Kevin. I just wanted you to know. So you better carve some time out. Guys, we're just doing life together. Seriously. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. Or not. Let us hold lightly, Hebrews 10. Put that up there, you know this. Let us hold lightly. Tightly, not lightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Number one, we must hold on to Jesus. Nothing else. Not conservative politics, not, not Baptist faith and message, but hold on to Without wavering to the hope, we affirm. Why? Because God can be trusted to keep His promises, not because we've been doing this for 200 years, but because God is faithful. Number two, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I love that. Let us think of ways. That means creatively. Men, that means there may be a guy in this church that drives you nuts, but the best thing you can do is take him out to your hunting deer lease and let him shoot at a, at a tree creatively? How do we encourage each other? I know that was really hard to say. I want you to know that for three years with Jeb Stringer, I had a deer lease. I didn't kill a thing, but I was out there with Zach and we had so much fun. But I got to tell you something, that was sweet time. Ladies, you're going to love this sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take another girl to Starbucks or standpipe. This doesn't say do it in church all the time, in programming. It says just think of ways. Go to a movie together. Just, we need each other. Don't ask Mark Dubose. I used to ask him all the time to go to movies. He's surrounded by women. He has no time. (laughs) Just go. Just go. Pastor did not have to be there. Pastor's wife just go. This church will be as connected as you are. Here's the really cool thing as I wrote this this week, as I thought about this, you're already doing it. Do it more. And if you've been here for two years and you're mad right now because nobody invites you to the movies, would you get off your butt and invite somebody else? I know, I'm sorry. The word butt is in the Greek. It's actually in here. It says, it's buttoi. It means the backside of walking forward. Just do it. I'm shy, then don't be mad if nobody reaches out. You're hiding under the chair. Just, Just go to Bible study. Just get to know people. Don't wait. We're just a bunch of mess. We're just a bunch of clay pots talking about the potter here. It's okay. You don't have to be best friends with everybody. You don't have to be best friends with anybody, but you do need relationships. And if you think it's okay to stay online, you're being disobedient. Because the next one says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near." You can't tell me, I'm not, I'm just reading the passage, you know. And if you can't make a Sunday morning, then make sure you're getting together with people on the side and just loving people and being loved by them. We all need to be loved on by somebody else. Okay, bad news, none of us have it together. Nobody Amen. that. None of us have it together. None of us are confident that we're right on a lot of stuff. None of us are sure what the answer is for this country. None of us are sure how to deal with the gay agenda. Nobody knows what all those letters mean. None of us. We just know not to bring up that we don't know or people will hate us for it. We don't know. We're all in this together. None of us know if the next Star Wars is going to have two dudes kissing. Nobody knows. But when it comes, we'll deal with it. In the meantime, Jesus is still with us. And he's not going, oh, I hope Star Wars doesn't have a gay kiss. He's not worried about it. What he is concerned about is that everybody hears everywhere that there is hope in Jesus. And we get to do that together. We get to do that together. And we get to think of ways to encourage each other. But we need to be together as the day of the Lord's return is coming quickly. We're in it together. Maybe the Lord will let us be martyred together. I know, what a weird ending, huh? I know, I'll go first. I think about that. I'm not a courageous person. But God always uses the weak to to shame the wise, right? And I got to tell you something. This is worth dying for. What was it that Jim Elliott said? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So go to Guatemala. Go to Brazil. We'll help you get there. If we have to take a love offering, we'll help you get there. Thank you for doing fundraisers. Let's participate with them. It's okay to go and have fun and give money. If you can't give money, don't be, don't be proud. It's okay. You don't have to. There are people in this church with resources that can do that. But the choice between sending somebody to Brazil and having Starbucks every day isn't a choice. That's selfishness, right? So it's okay to hurt a little bit and, and support. But all I want to say is this. This is the big finish. Ready? We're in this together. Like it or not, we're in it together. And how cool is that? I actually like you. I was so excited to get this message with you. And I know it's not the normal message, but I just wanted to tell you again, and I know I tell you a lot, I love you. And I know that there are people out there going, how can you love me? You don't know my name. It doesn't mean I don't see your faces. And it doesn't mean that I won't be at your house if you need me. I just can't know everybody, but I do love you. And it is such a privilege to shepherd you and be shepherded by you. Julie and I love church. The problem you have is, even if you want to fire me, I'm still attending here. <laughs> and if you fire me, I'm going to be the biggest pain in the side of the next pastor you could ever possibly imagine. I love Carpenter's Way. Because in this church, I have a group of people that actually love the Lord. There was a couple, and I didn't ask them permission, so I'm not going to point them out, but you guys are going to know who you are. There's a couple that have the most beautiful family, and I tell them all the time that they are the reason God created Facebook. But you know, I learned this week that five years ago, they lost another baby. I never knew that about their story. We don't have any idea what's going on in the person's life next to you unless you ask. I think of Sandy Carlisle. I remember burying her husband and her son. But for some reason, every time I mow my yard and I run over those stupid sweet gums that shoot to my neighbor's yard, which is funny in my thinking. I always direct the shoot towards his yard. But as I mow, I always think of your husband. And I hardly knew your husband. I want to, I, I don't know. I guess I'll just stop. So first, Peter actually was about how we live as exiles. How are we going to do this thing? How are we going to have joy when it's weird like it is? That's what 1 Peter's about. And it really says a lot about how we take care of each other, and that's where we get joy. 2 Peter is, after the persecution has begun, he's basically going to just tell them over and over again, you better know God. Know God for who he is, not who you're told he is. So that's what we're going into next. And it's going to be so good. And it'll be fun. We'll do it together. And no matter what happens in the elections next year, God is still on the throne. God's still on the throne. He's good. And no matter what happens to our country, God's still on the throne. And he's good. And I just want you to know I had a conversation this week with an individual, and I've already talked about him. With an individual who's, man, I gotta be so careful, you guys. I'm just telling you, there was a lot of it made me think a lot about what do we do? What do I do with my family, Pastor? What do I do? Those kind of questions, and I'm going to stop with that because I, I can't keep a secret, and I really need to. But, wow, I can, see, I can see how it would be here. Now's the time to dig deep into Jesus Christ. Now's the time. Can we, can we pray? Lord, we, we really want to be what you create us to be. I want this church, I want my home, forget the church, I want my home to actually be that home. That home that I believed that was following you, where, where, where life was lived, that, that idyllic, God-centered home. That's what I want. I want Father. This is selfish. I want to be the pastor that I've never had. I want to under-shepherd this flock in a way that I thought it should be done all along or that your word says. I want that. But that means I've got to be humble, and I've got to take myself out of it, and I've got to totally serve them for you and not for me. And so I ask you this morning, in front of this church, help me be that man. And I pray for this church, Father, that you will help be them be the flock you designed us to be. And may we never get proud of that. May we only seek you more and love you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, We've started doing something new, and over here in the corner there are some communion elements, and if the Lord has been speaking to you and he has to me, feel free to go over there and take a communion element and uh, just take some time and talk to the Lord. Uh, Alicia, is there a meeting this morning? 11 o'clock over here and it's four. Does everybody know who's coming? Okay, preteen camp over here. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Bible study will start in five minutes.